Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we have made it to Book 3, Fire, Chapter 3, The Painted Lady. Mm-hmm. Did you have any ideas of what this episode would be about based on the name? Not at all. <laughs> um, no, I like I... I some of the some of the titles sort of point you like okay this is where it's going to be going plot plot wise like a title like return to omashu it's like okay i, I got what that one's going to be about this yeah. one i didn't i didn't know um i'm trying to remember i feel like this one shows up on lists of um like the lower rated episodes does that sound right to you yeah i could see that um i don't remember off the top of my head but it makes sense because there's no Zuko in this one, yeah? Mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. And, there's barely uh, an enemy in this one. Right. It's it it does feel kind of like monster of the week kind of or just like yeah, like a filler almost like we saw in a lot of season one. Yeah, um, yeah. It's one that that you could place at I'm assuming you could place at different times. You could you could skip it and I don't think you would mi- I'm trying to think if there's I again, I do think that there are things happening here which might come back later. Yep. But there's no it doesn't seem like an essential episode. Right, I agree. Um that being said, I do really like it. It's Yeah, I I, I, I me too. Yeah, it seems like um we haven't had a Katara centric episode in a while and we get that now. Oh, um, I'm glad you say that. Yeah, cuz this 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 reminds me of um maybe this will be the theme we can we and we we can use and jump into this. This reminds me of a season 3 version of Imprisoned. Yeah. Where yes. Katara is really pushing for um is really pushing the gang to say we need to take on this justice issue that might seem like it's not central to our mission, mm-hmm. but she is pushing uh kind of her mission statement forward. So I feel like this this yeah. episode couples really nicely with Imprisoned. I think it also couples nicely with the one we just came from too when we're talking about how freedom isn't something that just the Earth Kingdom needs or the Air Nomads need or Water Tribe, but it's like freedom is what the Fire Nation needs too. And yes. uh we see like a we see basically the ill effects of imperialism on an, a, on the imperial power like on the people that live within the fire nation um that they are literally and <laughs> figuratively burned as well um, yes. by being a part of the fire nation uh and that justice like you were saying is justice doesn't just mean bringing down whatever terrible tyrant there is but justice means like bringing freedom and opportunity to everybody um even those that are like our enemies <laughs> right um it, which i think does it, i think it pairs really well with ang's aim from the episode prior i mean that's why we see him and katara kind of team up together. here yeah yep. i will also say the other episode that that i that i think we should have in mind is uh the winter solstice part one. Oh. Right, because yeah. it has it has the there's a definitely like an environmentalist theme here. Oh yes, which true. which yes, I was gonna okay. There's a point at the end where okay, I'm just gonna save it, but yes, environmental themes for sure. Yeah, yeah. It, so which which is something which runs throughout this show, but they don't always lean into it. And this one, 
they're just pretty explicit about leaning into it. So, so I think, I think we've kind of laid the groundwork for, for uh, what this episode echoes. And I think as mm-hmm. we go through it, we can maybe look for some of those, some of those echoes. Absolutely. Should we get started? Absolutely. All right. So we open the episode on Appa trudging through a muddy, swampy river. And uh, Sokka is fishing from Appa's back. Now, again, this is a reminding us, right, that Appa, they can't just fly around anymore. So Appa is kind of neutralized a little bit in this, uh, in, in this, I'm assuming this season. They either need to keep hiding him or they can't use him as a way to get from point A to point B. Yeah. And we see that age old issue of the gang, which is we need food, right? Like mm-hmm. now that Appa is neutralized, there's a lot of logistical issues we have to work through. <laughs> right. And I think timeline. Yep. And I think this, this season's going to have a lot of that stuff and I'm here for it. I love, mm-hmm. I, I find that really interesting because we have, mm-hmm. I mean, we have 17 more episodes after this until the end. So there's lots of time for logistics struggles and for exploration. So, um, while while Sokka's fishing, Aang is swimming and playing with Momo. They seem like they're playing a game kind of like Marco Polo. <laughs> I'm not quite sure, but uh, yeah. Yeah. And Aang looks at himself and he realizes that he's covered in sludge and announces to everyone that he thinks that the river is polluted, which is funny because the river is thick, greenish brown mud. <laughs> it's like it took you this long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Sokka. Maybe they haven't seen a lot of pollution yet, Sam. Like the only times they've really seen pollution are like in Fire Nation military areas. Like the only pollution we've really seen is air pollution, right? Yeah, yeah. Like from the the flakes and the the sh- like uh, coming from the sky when the Fire Nation approaches. Yeah. So so I, I buy that as you wanting to defend Aang a little bit here. <laughs> But yes. at the same time, he knows what pollution is. He knows what clean water is. <laughs> and this is so clearly not that. Just the, yeah. visually, it's so clearly not that. Um, so Aang says that he thinks the river's polluted in Sokka. says, well, that explains why I can't catch a fish around here. Because normally my fishing skills are off the hook. But um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, very, very like dad jokey and no one laughs. Yes. Um, again, road trip dad. Sokka yep. is road trip dad this episode. This episode more than any. Th- this is this is peak road trip dad for for Sokka. Uh, and Toph Toph says, "Too bad your skills aren't on the hook." And at this, everyone except Sokka laughs. I feel like Toph has become just like a like a sharpshooter, like just cracking wise. Like that's kind of her role. Yes, her one liners are impeccable. Yes. Uh, so Katara says that they'll have to look somewhere else for food, assuming that it fits into Sokka's master schedule. And at this point, we see a long scroll unfurl with lots of different colored highlights. Um, we see Sokka looking at the scroll and he says it's doable, but it means only two potty breaks today. So, <laughs> so here we see sort of the full realization of Sokka really trying to be in charge not in like an authoritarian way but like in a we have to like i am the keeper of the schedule somebody needs to be looking out for us in terms of that i have nominated myself for that and he's doing it so we are kind of seeing scientific Sokka here too which is which is one of my favorite versions of him um so in the distance ang sees a village uh and they say that they can plan to get food there so they once again hide appa and this time they hide appa and momo 
um, and they go to check out the village from a distance. And it appears to be that the it appears that the village is built on decking in the middle of the river. Yeah, yep. but not attached to the shore, like just in the middle of this uh, this kind of spot in in the river. And as they're looking at it, they're interrupted by an old man on a raft at the shore. He says, my name is Doc. And the Aang gang introduced themselves as people from the Earth Kingdom colonies. So again, we're seeing this kind of colonial thing, which is actually helpful to them because it can explain why they're not familiar with where they are. Um, but we see that, that Doc has a very different view of uh, people from the colonies than did people in the city from last episode because doc is like oh great colonials i'll give you a ride you know that that there he doesn't seem to have this sense of like looking down on on yeah. people from the colonies yeah yes perhaps because this is like on the lower end of the hierarchy of the fire nation anyway <laughs> right right he explains that they're a fishing town and he says at least uh that's how it was before the factory moved in he says the army makes their metal there. They moved in a few years ago and started gunk gunking up our river. Now our village is struggling to survive. So we are pointing to, as, as you said earlier, like we're going to see the effects of the Fire Nation's military industrial complex on their own people. So here we have an oppressed group oppressed by the Fire Nation, but they are themselves Fire Nation people. And we'll see that this village is far smaller and poorer than the town we were in last episode in the headband. Yeah, it, I put in my notes that this also reminded me, there's this moment after Doc says uh, struggling to survive and Aang and Katara kind of give each other a knowing look. And it reminded me a lot of their bonding in season one um, over the burnt forests that they saw, uh, which again is like another environmental moment. That was That was the start of... Winter the... solstice. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. Perfect. You already you already mentioned that then. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. But but I think that was the first episode where they introduce the role of the avatar as caring for the environment. It's also yeah. where we get the spirit world connection. We're going to hear echoes of both of those things in in this. So um, it makes me wonder how much more kind of environmental stuff we're going to see this season. The fact that they come back to it right uh, right here already. So once they get to the village, they see that the whole town is filled with rundown poor people. I mean, they, they look to me like old WPA photos from the Depression. So in uh, as part of the New Deal, uh, the, the, the government actually commissioned artists to go out and catalog America to catalog the depression so really famous artists like dorothea lang ben sean people like that went out and so there's i mean you i'm sure everyone listening to this has seen even if you don't know it wpa photos of the great depression and that's like mm -hmm. it's like they use that as their template for like this is what poverty in this village looks like it almost is like in sapia tone the whole mm -hmm. episode it looks aged like some of those photographs do. Absolutely. Uh, and Katara says that they, they have to do something to help, but Sokka pushes back and says they can't waste their time here. We have a bigger mission that we have to stay focused on. These people are on their own. And Katara says, these people are starving, but you want to turn your back on them. 
how can you be so cold and heartless? Mm-hmm. And Saka says, I'm not turning my back. I'm just being realistic. We can't go around helping every rinky-dink town we wander into. We'll be helping them all by taking out the Fire Lord. Now, upon saying this, like they're they're starting to like argue with each other, right? And uh, upon saying this, Toph like slaps her hand over Sokka's mouth to kind of remind them, like, uh, guys, maybe we should like cool it on the taking out the Fire Lord <laughs> kind of language when we're out in public. And Sokka says, "But be reasonable about this. You know, our mission has to come first. And Katara re- reluctantly agrees. Now, yeah. what's interesting is neither of them are wrong. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's like, so, I, I want to think, <laughs> I want to be on Katara's side with everything. But at the same time, it's like, the Aang gang doesn't have much either. Like, I don't really know how much they would be able to help in terms of, like, getting food and supplies when they don't even have that at themselves. And, like, that's kind of why they are going to villages like this is to be able to buy things for themselves. So it's like... And they don't have time. Like, they're on a tight schedule. And uh, Sokka's line that, like, you know, taking out the Fire Lord is going to help everybody. That's not wrong. Well, and and, and actually what they've pointed out here is because they do have something that they can use to help. But the problem is that they're not allowed to use it, which is you have Mm. three powerful benders here. Three Mm -hmm. potentially the most powerful people you can find. But the problem is, and this is the brilliance of this season, is they managed to, at the end of last season, they leveled up all of these characters, right? Aang is now a master of three elements. You have Toph, probably the world's greatest earthbender. We see Katara can now, like, manipulate the ocean, right? Yeah. But they've created a world where it's like, oh, but you can't use any of those powers because you can't allow people to see what you have and i don't think i fully grasped that until this moment because what they did then is they gave you a moment where katara wants to be katara but she realizes you know in some ways she has to be sapphire fire she can't be katara she has to be her fire nation character so it it basically strips them of their power and it's kind of great Hmm. yeah i suppose on a, on some level too at least katara can heal like so she could do that for some of the people in the community. Um, but even yeah, that's tied that, to water, though. Right. Exactly. So she can't. Yeah, she can't cons- um, or reveal their their. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting to be like, you guys are great, but also let's debilitate you, <laughs> so you can't do anything. But it's great. It's great storytelling because if they didn't do that, it's it's sort of like, well, they're they're too powerful to yeah. have this take this long. It's so almost they- like. Sorry, it's almost like the the season one finale when Sokka is like, oh, well, couldn't we just get the spirits to do everything for us? Like, that's kind of where they're at. Like, they're not a part of the spirit world, but they are so powerful that they could do things pretty easily. Exactly. I mean, it it feels like a little bit of video game logic, which is like, okay, how can we take away the thing that makes you powerful? It's it's what happens in superhero movies, too, right? Like, you establish the powers these people have, but once you get to the sequel, the first thing you have to do is introduce kryptonite or something to be like, okay, this is the most powerful person. Yeah. So now we need to strip them of that power because otherwise you, you can't really tell a story once somebody is a god. You know, and Aang mm-hmm. is pretty close to that. So it's it's really, really well done. The whole needing to hide Aang is great. So they end up going to the store in the village, which is just this little kind of hut in the in the middle. Um, because they need to get supplies. And they see that it's staffed by a person who looks identical to Doc, 
but is wearing a different hat. And he announces that he is Doc's brother, Shu. And Aang and Sokka push back at this and insist he's the same person. <laughs> and we see Shu drop down behind the counter and pop back up with a wooden box full of fish with sort of flies buzzing around us. It looks like kind of old fish and like mucky, sludgy fish and clams in there. Yes. Uh, and he says, if you buy three fish, I'll throw in a clam for free. Uh, the, like I said, the fish look rotten and polluted like the water. And everybody's kind of grossed out by the fish. And I will say this in this is a, a theme from both this episode and last episode when we're like looking at, at some of the food and things like this. It's like this does not look. I mean, they are making their case for vegetarianism here. <laughs> right. That now when yeah. they're they're not like lovingly depicting meats and things like this. So no. and I also love that like in every single area we've been to there is always a discussion of like food and differences in food because like that is the first kind of visible thing about differences in culture and like Aang seeing what the water tribe eats and is like I'm good <laughs> no thanks I'm just gonna right. eat, eat whatever Appa's eating like hey or you know and and to be like those are real differences and preferences uh and like valid that they're different but um it also makes for some comedy too yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think this fish is probably no good for anyone, though. Yes, no, this is not edible. He, like, pushes on it, and there's, like, mud that comes out of the mouth of the yeah, fish. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really pretty gross. Unpleasing. So they, they, they end up buying some fish, um, and they ask for a lift back to the shore, and Shu drops down behind the camera and pops back up now with Doc's hat on, and he's Doc, so he can give them a ride back. So uh, I don't know. So this is this is a runner throughout this this uh, episode is this doc character being you know doc and shoe and uh is this something you enjoy is it something you find tedious i did not enjoy it i don't i didn't it's not my thing really the humor just felt like meh but i like it in the idea that like they get so frustrated with this man for being these different identities and it's like you guys are literally lying about who you are right now <laughs> like everyone so far is being someone they're not this season and so it's like we are all costumed we are all disguising ourselves for different means and purposes so like the fact that they're getting so mad at doc is like pretty hypocritical in my ideas in my terms. i love i love what you just said because i was gonna say like this is something that i get really tired of but you just made the case for it. You made the intellectual case for it, if not the comedic case for it. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of great because uh, by the end, we'll get the sense that maybe Doc's not fully well in terms <laughs> of like some mental health things. And it's like, but you're yes. right. I mean, that if he has this multiple identities kind of fluidity between some identities, it's like, well, everybody else does too. It's just yeah. manifests itself differently. I mean, every character we've encountered uh, or every one of our main characters has in very serious ways either struggled with identity or yes. put on other identities. And like you said, they're all currently pretending to be somebody else. Oh, yeah. Like, think about Sokka. It, it, he wears a different hat every day, both literally and physically. <laughs> so it's yeah. or, uh, literally and um, uh, not literally, right? Like, it, he is always changing his identity depending on the needs of the time or how he's feeling and uh, I don't know. It's like it's classic tropes of coming of age, but it's funny that they hate that in other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as they're walking back to the raft, a little boy runs up to Katara and asks if she can spare some food. And we see that he has 
on his shoulder. I don't know if it's a rash or a scar or a bruise or a birthmark because they never address it, but he's got something on his shoulder. Yeah, it seemed to me like it was a bruise or sorry, a scar or a rash from a fire burn. Like it looked Mm -hmm. like Song's rash on her leg and like um, Zuko's scar, like the same kind of coloring. That's what I thought too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think that's, it's them saying like, this kid was probably burned and like further evidence of how the fire nation is not kind to its own people. So Katara gives him one of the, I mean, I think they only buy two or three fish and she gives him one of the fish and says she wish she wishes she could help more. He takes the fish and runs to his mother who we see sick in bed as Katara looks on. Um, So then we cut from there to back at camp at nighttime and we see Katara and Sof are, or Katara and Toph are teaming up to remove pollutants from the water. So we see Katara is like bending this sludgy water up into the air and Toph is bending the dirt and muck out of it. And we're getting pure water, which they are still boiling, you know, uh, <laughs> as a result. And what I liked about this is that they're laying the groundwork for something later on for the possibility that you could actually use bending powers to, if you team them up and I love that they're teamed up, but you could use this to actually remove some of the, um, the pollutants in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, so as they're doing this, Sokka uh, announces our detour into town today has completely thrown off our schedule. It's going to take some serious finagling to get us back on track. For starters, it looks like we're going to need to wake up 43 minutes early every day. Um, We only have a few weeks to get to the Fire Lord in time for the invasion and the eclipse, which, by the way, only lasts for eight minutes. And we just lost a whole day. So if we want to make up the time, stay on schedule, we have to wake up early. To which Toph refuses. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she's like, I am not waking up early. I was reading some um, kind of like Avatar, whatever, forums and things about this episode. And people were saying that this is like reflective of how the writers feel <laughs> that they're like putting in this like, can we really do an episode like this? That's like filler when we only have a certain amount left and there's like so much more to do. And it's like supposed to be reflective almost of the season itself and like how much is still yet to come in just what 20 episodes or something. Right. Now, two things that I, that I really liked about this, this moment from Sokka for one thing, we get a timeline, mm-hmm. right? He says that, um, he says that uh, we only have a few weeks, so we yep. know the rough timeline and we know that the eclipse is going to be eight minutes long. So, uh, which I don't think has been articulated before that it is this really short window. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. The other thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it makes me wonder if like, what if they did it like, um, remember Twenty Four, the TV series? Whereas <laughs> I never watched any of it, but isn't it like it was supposed to be every minute is like real time minutes? Sort of, so yeah. Because there were twenty four episodes. It takes place over twenty four hours. So obviously, an episode's only forty three minutes. But yeah, but they had like oh. a real time clock on it. But there are yes. there are plenty of, of of movies and things that do like the real time. You know, like the this movie takes place over the course of. I think there's a movie called Eighty Eight Minutes, and it takes place over eighty eight minutes, and <laughs> it's like you know, so it's like done in real time. Yeah. 
Yeah, it made me wonder if like, why are they so specific about these like these minutes where it's like, what if we had like eight minutes of the eclipse, like in real time of like what is happening with a little clock on the screen? I would love that. I would totally (laughs) be into that. Yeah. Um, I will also say you talked about uh, last episode when they were buying food and Aang said, I'll just go dig in the garbage for some lettuce. You felt seen at that moment. I will say I feel seen in this moment, Um, not because Sokka is road trip dad, but because like a big chunk of my job for the last 20 years or so has been helping students with time management things. And so this whole idea of like, well, we wasted this day. So now we need to recalibrate everything because, you know, before we were saying to get this paper done, you're going to need to write, uh, you know, two pages a day. Well, now that you didn't do anything today, now we need to change that to now it's three and a half pages a day or something that it's like, (laughs) like, this is a part of my life. So the fact that he's doing the math down to like, all right, 43 minutes. This is the, like, he's got it down, which is why I think also the eight minute thing makes sense because of course Sokka would know exactly what it was. Cause yeah. this is, this is a little bit of that uh, mathy scientific Sokka at work here. Yes. Oh my gosh. I forgot how seen you would be with this. Like uh, yes. always <laughs> adjusting other people's timelines and your own timeline. <laughs> yep. I, I feel very much like I am in line with like, this is, I've never felt as close to Sokka as I, as I do in this episode. <laughs> Um, so again, Toph refuses to get up early. So Sokka says, or we could just cut out all of our eating breaks. So now Katara, Aang, and Toph all protest this. Sokka says, I got it. From now on, we could take food breaks and potty breaks at the same time. It might be gross, but it's efficient. Either way, we have to leave here first thing tomorrow morning. And we see that Katara, uh, Katara is saddened by this. Um, I... I think he's I like I'm totally team Sokka here. Like <laughs> like let's get moving. I think the 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 potty break food break works just fine. It doesn't mean you have to like do them at exactly the same moment, but it's like we all, we we're not going to stop that much. I I that is road trip right there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and it's like we have only a couple weeks till the eclipse. Let's get that done. We can go back and help people after that moment. Like, mm-hmm. There's time after. So we cut to the next morning and we see Appa is lying on his side groaning and Katara announces, I think Appa is sick. So Sokka jumps down or jumps up at this awful news and Toph is surprised to hear Sokka so concerned about Appa. And Sokka says, of course I care. I might as well just throw our schedule away now to which Katara and Aang shoot very dirty looks at Sokka because he's not caring for the fact that Appa is sick at all. Um, (laughs) And Sokka says, and I'm concerned for my big furry friend who doesn't feel well. Uh, And Toph speculates that Appa was made sick by the polluted water. Aang says that he doesn't look sick, but he inspects Appa's tongue to reveal that it's purple. Um, so that's sort of this sign of sickness. Now, as it as a a uh, pet owner, and I am not a pet owner, uh, what are the signs of like your animals being sick? And is Appa showing clear signs that you would be concerned about? Yeah, man. I mean, well, okay. You can see behind me uh, on the IKEA furniture behind me. My cat is lounging. I was just gonna say when your cat is lethargic. <laughs> it, might be it a is problem. a cat that's though kind of, it's kind of there every day but yeah man like groaning kind of laying around not eating 
Uh, they say that like uh, the moistness of a pet's nose can indicate whether they're sick or not. Um, so if their nose is feeling really dry, you might like that might be an indicator. Um, same with their tongues, so, like their mouth and their nose is a big thing. Yeah. So so the, the believable checks out for me. The purple tongue would be concerning. So this is one of my. Yeah. Th- this leads to one of my favorite moments in this uh, in this episode. So you know, Aang looks at the tongue and it's purple, and he asks Katara to try to heal him. And did you notice what Katara does? No. She like so nonchalantly just kind of like waves her hand really quick and says, <laughs> like like waves her quick over over his tongue and announces that he needs medicine. It's <laughs> it's like she's like, yeah, I will go through the motions of trying to heal, <laughs> but it's just like, nope, nah, nah, he needs medicine. <laughs> Which when we find when we find out what's actually going on makes it so funny. I never noticed that. You have some go back great and watch the scene. Go back and watch yes. this scene. It is so funny how she just dismisses, like, yeah, I'm not. Because if we think about her healing, right, it would be getting her hands in the water and they start to There's glow. Like glowing. Yeah. 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 It's <laughs> formal hand waving, is all that it is. She I says, love it. Uh, maybe we can find uh, the right herbs in town. And we see Momo fly up and land on Appa's tongue and start licking it. That was another thing I wrote. Good catch, Sam, because I did not notice that either. And it's very subtle. Like, yeah, yeah. there is no focus on Momo. He just, like, flies into the scene and starts licking the tongue in the background. <laughs> I loved this scene. I, I think it's really <laughs> it's it's really great. And, again, it's one of those things where they just put, they put jokes in there that you don't have to pay attention to. But when you know what's going on, you're like, well, that's very, very funny. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so then we're back in town. Uh, and everyone looks happier and they look energetic. We see ki- kids are playing and running around uh, and they approach Shu in the store and ask what's going on. And Shu says something amazing happened last night. Food was delivered to our village by a mysterious and wonderful person, the painted lady. And we see that he has this little statue of the painted lady. She's part of our town's lore. They say she's a river spirit who watches over our town in times of need. I always thought she was just a legend until now. And here he displays the statue of the painted lady in front of them. And Sokka says, we don't need to see. We don't need to help these people. They already have someone to help them. All we need is medicine for our sick friend. Shu tells them all that the medicine goes to the factory. Katara says, looks like we need to stay another night. So Appa can rest. And here we see Sokka reluctantly agree, just like Katara earlier reluctantly agreed to go. Sokka reluctantly agrees to say, okay, we'll we'll have to stay. And he asks for food to purchase, and Shu offers him either a one-headed or a two-headed fish. Sokka goes for the two-headed fish and says, what? You get more for your money that way. Um, So what are your thoughts on like the, the painted lady kind of mythology here? Now I, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go for it. I was like hoping, and I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to like be critical here, but like I was really hoping the painted lady was like, this seems like an opportunity to introduce another old avatar. Oh yeah. You know, uh, but but instead they make her a a spirit, you know, and I, but I do love that Shu is saying like, yeah, I didn't really believe in that old spirit stuff, um, because it makes me wonder. If in the Fire Nation, 
they're they try to root out this sense of the spirit world because that seems to be this kind of unifying place right because if you think about the where they're at in the fire nation uh i presume the party line is the avatar has the avatar disappeared a hundred years ago uh, maybe there's talk of the avatar came back, but now we have the avatar is dead. So all that old spirit world stuff and avatar stuff, that's all stuff in the past, right? So you see Shu who seems a little uh, uh, interesting in terms of kind of his, his take on things. Even he's like, yeah, I didn't believe in that painted lady stuff, but now maybe yeah. I do. It makes me wonder how, uh, Especially, I hadn't thought about the Fire Nation trying to weed out, um, even like I guess religion in general. But like, I'm speculating. I don't know that that's no, true. I mean, I like that take because it seems like it, we haven't seen that at all, really, in the Fire Nation until we're in a community that is being like slowly destroyed by the Fire Nation, and it's like maybe it takes being on the outside and being other in order to like accept the potential of these other powers outside of like the great leader and the powers of the city or the state or whatever. It's super interesting. Um, another couple things I noticed was it's, she's a river spirit. And if you look whenever she is mentioned or we'll see the painted lady kind of later. Right. So mm -hmm. whenever she is in the screen, there's a lot of shots of the moon behind her and it reminds hmm. me of Yue as the moon spirit. And so it's like, it makes sense that, I mean, I would love it if it was an avatar, but it makes sense that it's similar to the moon spirit. Like this person that is in human form can be in human form, but also is in a natural form. Um, and then like the marriage of the, the river water and the moon um, as like working in tandem as like two and two ladies too, mm -hmm. I think is kind of sweet. And, a river spirit looking over these people, that's a very water centric thing. Yeah. And as Katara talked about in bitter work, I think, right. That there is this like tension between fire and water between earth and air. Right. So yeah. that there would be this water spirit that oversees this part. I mean, it, it's opening up sort of some of the things that Iroh was talking about and, and the avatar is all about, which is like, you have these different things, but they're actually united in this kind of way. So I, I, yeah, I like the, I, I don't dislike the, the, the fact that she is a, a spirit world uh, mm. figure. I just, I guess what I'm saying is like, I just want them to tell us more about these hundreds yes. or thousands of avatar before. And we only really know about two. It's like, yeah. this is, you have this rich history and I just want, I want this world to just be filled with references to past avatars. Absolutely. Or even to let us know more about the spirits too. Like I remember when we first met Ko and mm -hmm. you and I were like, I just want Ko in every episode now for the rest of the series. Yeah. It's like all of the, I just want an encyclopedia telling me everything that had happened with these spirits. But yeah. Or, or, or like give us books of mythology Yeah. of the spirit world. Like it's funny because normally it's the stuff I wouldn't like as much, mm. but I'm, I'm so into the religion of this world so much. Yeah, because it's central. Like, it's core to so many of the arguments around, like, justice and morality. And, um, yeah, I want more. 
And I think it looks so different than kind of like Judeo-Christian spirituality where, well, any monotheistic spirituality, like, like I love that this is this other, this other view that has all of these different things that play. I mean, it reminds me of, um, you know, something more like Hinduism or even like ancient Greco-Roman mythologies where it's like, or Norse mythology. I mean, there's, there's lots of these where they're these polytheistic things where there's like, the world is just overrun with these different forces that are different than humans. Yeah. And that um, the gods that you pay tribute to or the beings or spirits, whatever you want to say that you pay tribute to could be like really tied to geography, like to place mm-hmm. and, to, and that like these folks have their, the, the painted lady from that specifically helps their community in the river. <laughs> and it's like, maybe this is, unique just to this town um yeah i could totally yeah and i and i do want to say i i actually feel bad that i went to hinduism and then i quickly jumped to greek mythology and norse mythology and it's just like i'm just betraying the fact that i am western and it's like i don't know enough to say about like i'm sure every place you go you're going to find these kind of ancient polytheisms i just don't know as much about them i could i could talk a lot more about the Greek gods than I could about like Krishna and Vishnu and things like that. But it's the same type. I think it's the same types of things. Or even thinking about Western Christianity and like sainthood and like how saints Mm -hmm. can be connected to different areas. Or, I mean, that's something, you know, so much more about than I do. Sure, sure, sure. That different, depending on where you're from, like different saints have more. um, Like patronage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So uh, this even feels a little bit like that. Like Absolutely. Saint of the river. <laughs> well, especially when you think about a story like Yue, where Yue mm. was a person who is now a spirit. And yeah. it makes you wonder, like, was well, the painted lady a person who became a spirit? Is there a, because we don't, in this, we don't get the painted lady's story here. We just know of this existence, you know. Yue, yeah. we got to see Yue as a person, and we got to see the beginnings of Yue mythology, now, yeah. I'd love to come back in 500 years and hear how they tell the story of UA. That would be really interesting. Yeah. You know? Um, and it makes you wonder about some of the other spirit world things. Like, do they have... They're like, like, some of these things seem like they were always just spirits. Some of them seem like they're physical things that become spirits or more ancient things. Like, so yeah, I like, I am a sucker for this stuff. I would go <laughs> deep, deep, deep into this. If somebody wants to, uh, wants to produce the sort of avatar mythology documentary <laughs> series, I'm, I'm in, I would, I would, I would do that. Yes. All right. So we cut to nighttime in the village and we see the painted lady now moving through the town. She seems to be kind of floating above the ground and there's like smoke or steam around her. Um, and she goes into what I come to realize is the hospital where the sick people are sleeping. And we see her bend down to one of the patients and we see this sort of flash of blue light. We then shift seeing outside of the hospital and continue to see flashes of blue light. Uh, we see her healing the mother of the little boy from earlier and he awakens to see her and she walks as she walks away. He pops up and says, thank you painted lady. And she jumps into the water and disappears into the mist. So um, now I'm sure you can't remember the first time you saw this episode. Um, yeah. 
it was interesting watching this with my daughter and we, we watched it a couple times and i remember i asked her like when did you realize it was katara again we can spoil this because we're going to spoil it in a minute anyhow <laughs> um but but it was like uh, oh the funny thing is i couldn't remember when i thought that because the show gives you enough mythology or enough like not mythology but actual real spiritual spirit figures that it's like yeah i guess i'm open to the painted lady although there's definitely moments where you i think in this scene you see her eyes and you see her full face and it's like i mean that's the moment for me where it's confirmed but also actually watching her do the healing and it's like well katara can heal people and we get this flash of blue light which sort of looks like so like there's like a lot of like water imagery in this um but uh but yeah so Again, I, it's a kid show, and I picked up on something, so it's that's no great feat. Um, but but when you see her eyes and you realize, like, oh yeah, those are that's Katara. Um, yeah, is is, is is I think it's just really interesting to think about, like, um, her desire to her desire to help and like finding ways to finding ways to help. Yeah, I read that um, the initial concept for the episode was Katara as Robin Hood. And oh so sure. That's where they that's how the writers conceptualized the painted lady trying to and that's great and it reminds me a little bit of Blue Spirit too. Like I feel like this is Katara and Zuko matching each other quite a bit. They both take on these identities. It's both doing things that are um I guess Katara is not really doing anything illegal. Well, <laughs> yet. But well, it, it depends <laughs> It depends because later they're going to imply that stuff was stolen from the factory. So we don't uh, see the painted look because like Katara doesn't have food to give people, but she gave them all food. Right. So, so like, like, and, and, and I think we get some evidence towards the end that stuff was stolen from the factory, although we don't see it here. Now the, yeah. the Robin hood thing is interesting because Zuko and Katara are, are not the only Robin hood figures. Because we have the most blatant Robin Hood thing in in the Jet episode, right? That yeah. that is Robin Hood and his Merry Men. So there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of Robin Hood in in a lot of these things. Yeah, w- which makes sense because you in Robin Hood you have an oppressive like government regime, you know, and then you have people who are saying, "How do we use the power we have or the abilities we have to rob from the rich to give to the poor?" Yeah. Yes, acting directly for trying to make things better and um and that i think even ang is a lot like that too and so like it makes sense that he would be on katara's side with something like this absolutely the little friar tuck of (laughs) the analogy i mean he is a monk yeah no you're absolutely right it works right (laughs) there we go i love it i love it uh so the next morning we see doc behind the counter of the store polishing the statue of the painted lady and Sokka walks up and asks for Shu. Doc pops down and then pops back up in Shu's hat. Uh, Toph asks for more food and says they can't leave until their friend Appa is better. Shu says, maybe if you guys are lucky, the painted lady will visit you in the night and heal your friend. Sokka sarcastically says, and maybe she'll cook us a midnight snack and we'll have a sing-along. And Shu says, yeah, maybe. <laughs> love that joke. I love I love the person who like when somebody's being overly sarcastic, like either refuses or actually doesn't pick up on the sarcasm and just kind of rolls. I, I, I love this. Um, so, uh, 
Shu tells them that the, the painted lady visited again and healed their sick. And we see the townspeople erecting a statue of the painted lady, much like the statue of, of um, Kiyoshi that we see, right? So they erect the statue in the, in the middle of town. And Katara says, can you believe how much an entire village can be affected by one lady? And then she says, I mean, spirit. <laughs> so she, she's starting to kind of tip her hand here. Now, one of the things that I thought was interesting in this was uh, the first time I watched it, I got to this point and realized, okay, so Katara is the painted lady, but it's like, but how did Katara know about the painted lady? Yeah. The first time. But as I watched it, I realized, because Esme and I were talking about this, I realized the first night we don't see the painted lady because she's not the painted lady. She's Robin hood. The first night she goes and just leaves food for the people. Then she comes the next day and realizes, Oh, this town has this mythology. So it's only the second night where she's actually dressed as the painted lady. She realizes, well, now I actually have a character to embody. And I did not, I did not get that the first time. And if you go back and listen to what uh, when Doc or Shu or <laughs> whatever was talking to the crew about the painted lady the first time, like her ears are picked, like she is also listening to and trying, like realizing that this is something she could use. So after, so after, um, now I'm confused if it's Doc or Shu. Shu after Shu <laughs> explains uh, that the painted lady came that that night, Saka says, "Well, I hope she returns every night. Otherwise, this place." would go right back to the way it was. And Katara is really miffed to hear this. She says, look at how much better off these people are now. And Sokka says, yeah, now, but without her, they wouldn't be able to fend for themselves. If she really wanted to help, she would use her spirit magic to blow up that factory. And he does this little sort of ghostly sound and dance um, kind of, and then it makes an explosion sound. And Aang says, spirit magic doesn't work that way, Sokka. It's more like this. And then Aang does his own little sound and sound effects and dance. And a frustrated Katara walks away from them both. And we see Katara standing on the edge of one of the docks, staring at the factory. And if you notice the shot, as she's staring at the factory, it cuts to looking to her face and over her shoulder line looms this huge statue of the painted lady. So we see Katara painted lady and she's staring at the factory. So we sort of know what the next night holds for, uh, for Katara there. Yeah. It's just Great some shot. good, some good foreshadowing. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mike, at, Mike, <laughs> Mike at this point was watching it with me and he's like, so this episode is just eco terrorism. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. I mean, Yeah. <laughs> like it basically is <laughs> now what i love I, I don't want to skip over this in this scene because again i think this is this is a theme for for Sokka is like he's not saying the thing that our heroes want to hear but he's not wrong yeah right he's not wrong that like yeah you if somebody comes and brings food and medicine every night like these people will be fine but that's not going to help and katara doesn't like to hear it because she realizes that She's actually only helping them in the most um, limited sort of way, the most temporary sort of way. Because if they were to leave and come back in two weeks, this village is going to be exactly where it was before, that there's no real lasting impact of her doing this for two nights. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I feel like, like Sokka's kind of delivering the hard truths here. But he also points to a plan, even though he doesn't know it. <laughs> yeah, of so, course. Sokka, the one with all the plans, like would make one without even knowing. 
That's right. So we cut to nighttime and we're back at camp and we see Katara wake up and she fills her bed with straw. So it looks like she's still sleeping. Then she, this is such a cool move. She water bends uh, like an ice mirror. So she like, she water bends up this ice and then like freezes it. So it, so it uh, creates a mirror um, so that she can kind of put on the paint, paint her face. So she looks like the painted lady. Uh, and as she's leaving the camp dressed as the painted lady, we see that Mobo notices her and, and uh, wakes Aang, right? Cause no Momo makes a sound and Aang wakes up and Aang sees the painted lady leaving the camp and follows her trying desperately to get her attention. As Katara sees him, uh, she starts to rush away while Aang follows. And he says, like, excuse me, I don't mean to bother you, but my friend's sick and we're kind of on a tight schedule. Wait, I'm the great bridge between your world and mine, <laughs> right? So he's, like, <laughs> trying anything he can to uh, to connect with her. Uh, the painted lady appears to glide over the water. And we see Aang freeze water beneath his feet, Um like so he can walk on these little pieces of ice as he as he's following her. He says, I know hey bye. We're close personal friends. He's <laughs> just name dropping. <laughs> That's right. Whatever he can do. Uh the painted lady keeps running as Aang pursues. She sh- thinks she's lost him. Then Aang pops up, hanging from the rock above her, and their eyes meet. And Aang introduces himself as the Avatar, and he lifts up the um the headband to show his arrow like like that's his like proof of avatar uh and katara tries to mask her voice uh and shield her eyes as she responds she says she's too busy to talk to ang and ang says you know you're really pretty for a spirit i don't get to meet too many spirits but the ones i do meet not very attractive <laughs> which is interesting because who is this throwing major shade at UA. Yeah, he just saw UA two episodes ago as the moon spirit. To quote from Aang, not very attractive. <laughs> it's like, that's so rough. Because <laughs> he's only met a couple spirits when you think about it. He's met uh, Ko. I'll give yeah. you Ko. It's creepy. Tough creepy to look man. at. Hey, so, yeah. hey, bye. Hey, bye can be cute when he's a panda, but I could see not very attractive. And then um, Roku. Okay, old man Roku, you know? Yeah. Uh, Not but, everyone's thing. Yeah. Uh, UA, though, like, UA's pretty. <laughs> UA is a girl in her prime. <laughs> right. <laughs> Apparently not what Aang is into. Uh, so Aang insists that she looks familiar, and uh, she walks away, but Aang airbends her hat off and realizes that it's Katara. And Aang asks how she could be the painted lady. Katara says, I wasn't at first. I was just trying to help the village. But since everyone thought that's who I was anyway, I guess I just kind of became her. So to your point about people becoming other people and identities, like here's another big one, right? Uh, But uh, Aang asks if Appa is really sick. And Katara says, well, he might be sick of the purple berries I've been feeding him. But other than that, he's fine. Which leads me to ask the question, from the very beginning, is Appa in on this ruse? Is he because he's acting sick, right? Yeah, maybe Appa's like, "Look, I get treats out of this, so yeah. I don't really care." So Appa, but Appa's teamed up with Katara to be like, "We're going to help these people." I love this. I love that Appa is like, "I'm Team Katara," you know, like yeah. that's in this debate about where we're going. 
I yes. because otherwise he's on the margins of the story, so he gets to be part of the story at least by acting sick. And Appa didn't even tell Momo about it because Momo was surprised to see her. <laughs> Appa's like the best secret agent. Yeah, I, I love it. Uh, so Ang says, I can't believe you lied to everyone so you could help these people. And a Katara starts to apologize and Ang says, no, I think it's great. You're like a secret hero. <laughs> uh, and Ang says, or Katara says, if you want to help, there's one more thing I have to do. So this is where we're going to get uh, Ang and Katara team up. So we cut to outside of the factory. We see Katara and Ang are standing by the grates through which the sludgy water flows from the factory. Uh, Katara says, Sokka was just kidding, but he was right. Getting rid of this factory is the only way to help these people permanently. Uh, and we see them sneak into the core of the factory. Uh, and somehow there's no people in the factory. It feels like the factory <laughs> yeah. is like fires are burning. It's still up and running, but there's nobody there. We're um, closed for the night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, which I means sets up. It allows for them to do what they do with a clean conscience, right? Uh, they use their various bending powers to build up pressure in the factory until it explodes. And we see this, the sludge stop flowing from the pipes out of the factory. So they basically blow this thing up. Which I love. Like, Mike was like, yeah, ego-terrorism. Yeah. Yeah, that's what this is. Like, illegal activity, property damage, breaking and entering, like, truly j- theft, really, if you... I'm pretty sure Katara stole from them to give to people. Certainly. It's like all, all these things, but they are seen as okay. Like in a kid show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I kind of love. It's like there's gradations and yeah. Nuance to it. It's, I mean, it's raising the question, right? Like, like, like how far can you go in the name of saving people in need in the name of saving the earth or whatever yeah. planet they're on? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. For environmental justice, for any kind of like injustice, yeah, how far are you willing to go? So we cut to morning and we see Katara and Aang are walking back to camp. Uh, and as they quietly return to camp, they are met by Sokka and Toph. And Katara says, we were just out on a morning walk. And Sokka dumps the straw out of her sleeping bag. He says, I know you're the painted lady. I know you've been sneaking out at night. And I know you've been lying about Appa and feeding him purpleizing tongue berries to which Toph sticks out her tongue. And she also has the, uh, a purple tongue. Uh, Kataro, what did you, why did you put our whole mission in jeopardy? We're leaving right now. And then he says to Ang, how long did you know about this? And Ang says, I just found out this morning. Um, so we cut to the destroyed factory and we see this big, beefy fire nation guy who i will say i don't know if you thought this too but both esme and i thought this um he looks way too much like zao i mean like to the point where i thought is zao alive and he now works in this like he's been demoted to working in this factory and he has scars on his face like over the bridge of his nose which would make sense it's like yeah if he died if he was in this big naval explosion maybe this um, it's it's not him, but it's it's sort of weird that they pick somebody who, to my mind, looks so much like him. I found it unsettling. Yeah. I now I hadn't noticed, but now that you mention it, I have to go back. Like, does he have the sideburns? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's classic Fire Nation sideburns. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's it's very strange. Like I 
I, it was a, it was an interesting choice. Um, and I don't know if, if we're supposed to think about Zhao in that moment, but, but I, both of us were like, is, is, is that him? Like, that's weird that they would bring him back. This guy appears to have no name in this episode, as far as I can tell. Um, but so he's, you know, he's standing at the destroyed factory and he stares off to the village in the distance. Um, so back, we're back. We cut back to camp and we see Sokka is packing and they hear a sound and they realize that it's the sound of fire nation troops on these like two person jet ski, mini boat things approaching the village. Mm. And Sokka snaps at Katara and says, what did you do? Katara says, I kind of destroyed their factory. It was your idea. Saka said, I was joking. I also said to use spirit magic and made funny noises. Did you even think this through? The, the army's going to blame the villagers. They're headed there right now to get revenge. And again, Saka's not wrong. <laughs> I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he, he, it's so interesting that they are able to create this tension between these two kind of, uh, worldviews these two kind of plans and you watch it and you're like they're both right they're both right and they're and and we get to live in this tension and Katara says uh what was i supposed to do and Sokka said you could leave you could do nothing and Katara says no i will never ever turn my back on people who need me i'm going down to the village and i'm going to do whatever i can and this is where it really feels like um we have that same tension as we see in imprisoned and we have that same like real sense of justice that we see in Katara and imprisoned, but now it's like a different version of Katara, a more leveled up version of Katara. And she realizes to her mind, there are things that can be done. Um, So I really, I really like that. Uh, And Sokka tells her that he's coming too. he says, you need me and I will never turn my back on you. Katara says, Sokka, you really do have a heart because she had called him heartless earlier. <laughs> and Aang starts to tear up and says, he really does have a heart, doesn't he? To which, at which point Toph hits him and knocks Aang over. <laughs> um, so we, we cut to seeing the Fire Nation soldiers driving their watercrafts towards the village. And then we go to a commercial break and we come back and we see our heroes uh, on a cliff overlooking the town. Um, in the village, we see five fire nation soldiers uh the zao looking guy two women and two men and they're addressing the people from the town and he says i thought we could live as neighbors in peace but i guess i was wrong you steal our food our medicine and you destroy our factory it's very interesting his take on on the description of this right that this he is at least not using the language of we are the weak and you are the strong, but he's like, yep. Hey, we're both here. We're neighbors. What are you doing? Messing with our stuff. What are you do, dealing, taking our stuff? Um, yeah. It's almost like we are other, like you are other, but we are similar, like on the same playing field or like we can, mm, it almost seems like he's not talking to fire nation people at all. Right. Yeah. But it's also like, like he doesn't see how he's oppressing these people. Ah, uh, sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, that, that it's like, it's like, well, I'm just doing my job and you're doing your job, but now you're like crossing over the lines here. Like it, it's, it, it, it's really, really interesting. Um, mm. Now, again, this, this is maybe just another way of exerting power, you know, is mm. to, is to sort of be like, 
like we weren't doing anything to you and then you came and did this to us and it's like well no actually you are doing something yeah, <laughs> like you have you have radically ch- you have radically changed this world right and well yeah. and doc even says like all of our medicine goes to them yeah. you know so it's like it's not just the pollution that it seems like there are all these other things too that the factory resources or other things that the factory eats up so the people in the village don't get access to so you see doc pop up out of the crowd and says we didn't do any of that then he pops up his head as shoe from another place and says yeah the painted lady brought us food she's the one that healed our sick not your medicine and the zao looking guy says oh right the mysterious painted lady did it and i suppose she drew that army emblem on your containers too so here's where it's like she clearly has stolen stuff because they have they have stuff that that uh is from the factory um and uh he throws the little statue of the lady at the pot and they both break he says this town is full of thieves and liars he firebends to ignite one of the buildings says where's your painted lady now we're going to cure the world of this wretched village oh rough (laughs) so (laughs) i mean whenever you use cure to talk about murdering a lot of people that's a bad day (laughs) yeah i mean because it is uh, you know this is an overstatement but we there's a lot of nazi iconography here right it's like yeah you know i mean in, in avatar in general and you have this this sense of like i mean when the nazis talked about the holocaust as the final solution right Mm. he's talking about destroying these people this village and these people as a cure you know like so he's basically saying you are a disease you are a parasite we are going to cure the world of of you yeah it's it's very dark language um Mm. but fitting Mm -hmm. uh from their boats uh, they we see them jump on their boats and they throw chains around the supports under one of the buildings and pull it down into the water. They firebend to light a barrel full of explosives, but twice it's just blown out with air. Uh, Interestingly, this is the first time we've seen a woman firebend outside of Azula. Oh, you're right. Yeah. That's really interesting. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I can't think of it. I'm trying else. to think if, if Azula's teachers, if we ever see them actually firebend. I, I don't think, think they so. Just sit an instructor at this point. I don't know if yeah. they do it later, but yeah. No, yeah. that is that is really fascinating because neither Tylee nor May are firebenders. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen a ton of Fire Nation women anyway, but right. Except for last episode when it was children, but right, right. Um, oh, that's yeah. really interesting, huh? Um, so they, they try to light this barrel, like it's blown out twice. Um, and then we see this foggy mist start to cover the water. Uh, and the fire soldiers are confused by what's happening. And the villagers realizes that it's the painted lady. And we hear this roaring and loud stomping sound. And we see that Toph is earth bending to create the stomping sound with this huge like rock thing that she keeps dropping to kind of shake the earth and make the sound. And the roar is an echo of Appa in a cave and Sokka is playing a howling ghostly sound on a flute, which is funny because what did he say when he talked about blowing up the factory? He was, when he talked about spirit magic, right? He talked about almost like the theatrics of it and the, the sounds yes. and all these things. And it's like, and now that's actually what they're doing. 
you know, yes. scary sounds Ooh. to go with the spirit magic. Didn't he say that when he was making fun of Doc too? Like, oh, maybe that she'll come along and do like a little sing along with us. Yes. And then Doc's like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, oh, well, I guess that's kind of what's happening. So we see the painted lady appear on the water and sort of swiftly glides into the village. And, and so she's standing on the dock and we see that Aang is under the dock directly beneath Katara. Um, so they use their combined bending powers to disarm the soldiers and destroy one of their boats. Uh, the soldiers flee in terror to their remaining boats and the Zhao looking guy uh, faces the painted lady alone. He firebends at her, but Aang airbends her up into the air uh, and then destroys the dock section that he's standing on. So we see him sort of skip across the sludge like a stone. And the painted lady appears hovering over the water above him in the exact same way that Yue did to Aang, right? Sort of yeah. he's in the water and she's sort of up above it. And she says, leave this village and never come back. And we see him swim away to one of the boats and they speed away. Isn't that also how Zhao died? Like being tossed into the water and like consumed by the water spirit? Yes, 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 <laughs> okay. absolutely. This guy is like Zhao but like lesser Zhao. Mini Zhao, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we see Sokka and Toph row a boat to the village and the painted lady appears before the cheering villagers. And Doc walks up to thank her and he recognizes that Katara is not the real painted lady. He says, you've been tricking us. You're a waterbender. And the crowd says, how dare you act like our painted lady? And we see the crowd start to close in on her. Which, which is interesting. Also, yeah, wait, sorry, go ahead. No, you. I think we're saying the same thing, so you go first. Okay, it just reminded me of Blue Spirit and of Zuko season two when he is, uh, he wasn't the Blue Spirit at this time, but when he's helping uh, in the, the episode where uh, Zuko alone, um, and then at the end when, after he has helped the community, it's revealed that he is Firebender and then he is ostracized. Uh, and like all the good he's done doesn't make sense anymore. A hundred percent. That's exactly what I thought. I wrote in my notes, this echoes the Zuko alone ending. But what we see is the difference between Zuko and Katara, right? Zuko just leaves. He doesn't try to like plead his case. Katara does though. And actually it's not Katara as much as it's Katara and Sokka. Cause Sokka is the one who steps in here, but it's set up to be the same type of thing. Like how could you betray us? And it's weird to see like fire nation people, who are looking at this waterbender who saved them, saved them from the factory, who brought them food and healed them. And it's like, but it doesn't matter. Like, like you're different than us. You are this other thing. So what, what um, Zuko didn't have is someone like Sokka who steps in and says, maybe she's a waterbender, but she was just trying to help you because of her, that factory won't be polluting your river. And the army is gone. You should be down on your knees thanking her. And Katara says, Sokka, it's okay. I shouldn't have acted like someone I wasn't. And I shouldn't have tricked you. But I felt like I had to do something. It doesn't matter if the painted lady is real or not. Because your problems are real. And the river is real. You can't wait around for someone to help you. You have to help yourself. Um, so that's also really interesting that she's, she, I mean, here we see that tension about sort of 
mythology versus religion, right? That there's this sense of like, is the painted lady a myth? Is she this real spiritual being? And Katara is sort of on this, the state of like, it, it doesn't matter. What matters is there are things that are definitively real. You are real. Your problems are real yeah. and they need real solutions. It reminds me too of her big speech in Imprisoned when she's talking about how like you guys are all benders and like you like you have it in yourself to rise up and you're not and it's like here she's saying the same thing like you need to help yourself um and like she kind of encourages them to do so yeah yeah i mean i i I, this what i love about this episode if this episode stood just on its own it would be fine but the fact that they i think very consciously are echoing back to all these other episodes so we have expectations about things. I mean, yeah. in one, at one level, now this is interesting, I think. The people of the Fire Nation, we see, uh, well, let, let's, okay, let, let's finish this scene and then I want to make this point. Okay. Uh, because, uh, you know, Katara makes this, this speech about, um, you know, you, your problems are real. You need to, you know, do things for yourself. Sokka saying uh, you should be on your knees thanking her. Uh, and Doc says, she's right, but what should we do? And we see Toph pop out of the crowd, just like Doc Shoe did, and says, maybe we can clean the river. And Doc's like, yeah, clean the river. And the crowd cheers, and Doc says, thank you. You know you're not so bad for a waterbender. And Sokka says, you wouldn't mind keeping that a secret, by the way, would you? And Doc says, no problem. Keeping my mouth shut is a personal specialty. My brother Shu, on the other hand, he's a blabbermouth. So... What's interesting is we see this, the echo of this scene where we see Katara and, and, and Zuko echoed, right? Yeah. But the other thing we see are these communities echoed. What's fascinating is the earthbending community has no interest in embracing Zuko. Now, it makes sense because Zuko is, they recognize him as the disgraced prince of the Fire Nation, right? Yes. And Katara is this waterbender, but look at how quickly they actually do embrace her. And they say like, yeah, you know, you're not so bad for a waterbender. It's like, maybe this thing we've been taught to hate, maybe we shouldn't hate it. It's interesting that we see fire nation people saying that where the earth kingdom people, we don't see saying that. Now you could also say, well, the earth king people have been beaten down and oppressed by the fire nation. (laughs) And this group hasn't been beaten down and oppressed by the, by waterbenders. They just have been, have not had contact with waterbenders. Right. Or conditioned you know. to hate waterbenders. Well, they probably have been conditioned to hate waterbenders. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's super. Like, I, I saw the mirroring of this in Zuko alone, but I never thought of it as like the how it pans out so differently, how there's kind of inverted roles of oppressor and oppressed, and how that probably leads into the way that it ended differently. Um, it makes me want to go back and watch Zuko alone. Which is always good to watch just in general. It's a great episode. Um, I think the other thing we see here is that they are, as we said last episode, they are building allies, right? Now we have this Fire Nation village who knows that they are waterbenders ex- or that they are the, not firebenders, that Katara is a waterbender. Um, it's not clear that they ever announced the, who Aang is. I, don't, I doubt that they do. But there is this sense of like, well, now they have this village on their side in the same way the those earthbenders and imprisoned are allies. The folks in this village are also allies. 
Um, so, so this is a, again, an echo of that theme of like, are we going to be moving through, um, through the fire nation, having them be sort of trying to unlock and, and, and free the people of the fire nation as well, which seems like real avatar stuff. Like that's, that's what the avatar would do. So Katara asked doc if he's going to help clean and doc says, no, I'm going to get my brother, uh, Bushi. He loves cleaning rivers. And Doc changes his hat right in front of them this time. He doesn't like pop away. He says, All right, I'm bushy, I'm bushy. Let's clean let's clean some river. And Ang steps in and says, Aha, I knew it. I knew you were the same guy. You're the shop owner and the boat guy. And Bushy says, Oh, you must be talking about my brothers, Doc and Shu. Ang says, No, I just saw you. You switched hats and called yourself a different name. And Bushi says, Oh, you know who does that? My brother, Doc. He's crazy. And an Aang is exasperated as Bushi walks away. So, again, a lot of people playing playing different roles in different kinds of ways. Yes. Um, and from here, we see a time-lapse kind of montage of people cleaning the river, along with Katara, Aang, and Toph. And they're doing the same bending thing they did before. And then we see this shot from the, the village up above, and this is where it gets really into time lapse, and we see the water kind of slowly turn from brown into like this crystal blue, um, which kind of reminds me of Hebei in the spirit world and like the regeneration of um, regeneration of the environment. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so then we go back to camp, and uh, we see Katara. It's at night. And Katara goes down to the river by herself and we see her dipping her hands into the newly cleaned water. And she looks up and in front of her is the real painted lady spirit. And she appears to her and says to Katara, thank you. And the episode ends. Yes. And behind them is the moon. Yes. But it leads me to wonder like, well, where was the painted lady this whole time? If she's over, if she's looking after these people when they're in times of need, where was she waiting for the avatar? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I mean, or yeah, or, or she really is sort of present and inspiring Qatar. Who knows? But, but it's, it's sort of fascinating. It's like, okay, so the spirit's real, but you know, wasn't looking out for these people or I don't know. Yeah, yeah, the spirit's real, and she's like, Katara, I know you're on a time crunch, but um, if you could do this one for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Because <laughs> it's not like she's opposed to what Katara does, because she thanks her. Right, right. <laughs> so I'm a little unclear, a uh, little unclear about that. So as you think about this episode, themes, observations, questions? Okay, really big question. Where is the man with the, the tattoo on his forehead? I wanted I wanted that in this episode, which I know, like we said last time, like they're going to make us wait for it. But there is kind of an urgency, not only with the road trip dad Sokka, but also the urgency of there's an assassin out for Aang. And like, when is that going to when is that going to appear? So I haven't seen the next episode. Is your prediction that we're that we're going to at least see that guy again next episode? Or do you think we're going to wait longer? I feel like we'll see him again. I don't know if it'll be like a confrontation because I think that like since there was no Zuko storyline at all in this episode, they need to kind of weave that back in, especially if we think about it as like a TV show that aired weekly. Like <laughs> They need to be like, oh, yeah, remember this? Like that happened. <laughs> it's going to come back. But yeah, I don't know. I haven't watched the next episode. 
Yeah, I, I will say, I mean, that that's one of the things that I put in my notes was um, that this was a Zuko, Iroh, and a Zula-less episode. So I'm presuming we'll get them back next episode, which really excites me um, because mm-hmm. that is a... Because st- uh, there's a degree to which I feel like the, the Aang gang is... They're building allies. They're getting to where they need to be. But it's also sort of like they're biding their time. Like, because we don't actually have to travel. So, like, every place they go to, it's like, okay, well, here's the... I mean, there, there are... This feels like season one to a little to a, a little degree. Because I know, like, there's 17 episodes left. And I assume we're not facing the Fire Lord until, you know, episode... 18, 19, 20, somewhere in there. So like, we've got a lot of stuff to do. We got 15 episodes of stuff in the middle here. So like, I'm really curious what they're going to, what they're going to do. Now, one of the interesting things to the last two episodes, they've start to build allies, but they're also leaving a trail. Uh, In last episode, the one kid sees the earth bending and it's like, what? Here we have a whole village who knows that they are water and earth benders because they see them do it. So, like a paper trail is probably not a good thing for these folks because you know who wants a trail assassins like people who are bounty hunter assassins right they're going to be following in the wake of things like this it reminds me of june from season two where it's like they went back through and saw all we like saw revisited yeah yep yep and june is sniffing it or well june's not sniffing it out but (laughs) whatever that creature was that she was on top of was sniffing it out and it's like that seems like it's gonna happen again (laughs) it's unavoidable yeah no and and i all i kind of wonder are we gonna see june again oh yeah true i mean because she's still out there like that would be interesting i kind of liked her too yeah. yeah uh another question how this 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 episode leads me to wonder how winnable are the hearts and minds of the fire nation people because it sure seems like they are winnable. Because uh, as you pointed out earlier, this shows how much the Fire Nation oppresses its own people. Mm-hmm. So how much of this victory is going to be about unshackling the uh, the oppressed people of the Fire Nation against the Fire Army? Yeah. You know, how yeah. it also leads you to wonder, like, how complicit are the people in the in just, just Fire Nation citizens? How complicit are they to this larger... Um, uh, imperial program. Yeah, and even when you compare, again, I keep comparing it to Bossing Say and the Earth Kingdom, but it's like if there were any group between the two that I felt would be potentially revolutionary, it would be the Fire Nation. Like it seems like the oppressed of the Fire Nation are ro- more readily willing to fight back and revolt. Mm-hmm. Although, like we said before, they may be stripped of their most powerful people. If you think, if you assume fi- most firebending children are, yeah, given over to the army, which again I'm speculating, but I assume we have something like that. I mean, we even heard Azula talk about like the princess or like the royal academy or like the princess academy or whatever, where mm-hmm. she met May and Tylee, and yeah. By the way, I'd watch video. that show too. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> it would just be like Mean Girls. <laughs> yeah. I would want it to feel like a reality show at the Fire Princess Academy. Even though that's not what it's called, I want the show to be called Fire Princess Academy. Yes, me too. <laughs> I think it was like the Royal Fire Academy for Girls or something like that. But but I like I like Fire Princess Academy better. <laughs> I would watch it. Uh, will we see the Zhao looking guy again? 
Because he could him. just be a low-level thug who works in this factory. Yeah. I could see him maybe interacting with the assassin yeah. at some point. But otherwise, I don't know. Um, what else will they encounter along the way? Uh, because, again, we have these probably 14 or 15 episodes that we need to fill here. I'm wondering if we will get any more episodes that are just like, wow, we are really marginal going to marginalize the Aang gang story because like how much more of this can we do and we're going to do a lot more with zuko azula iroh that stuff mm. white lotus stuff i also wonder would they be daring enough to do an episode that is like the further adventures of hakoda and bato as they're Ooh. collecting allies in the Earth Kingdom, preparing. Like, I'm I'm on board for that. I want that episode. I don't know. That seems gutsy. Because it's one thing to do Zuko alone and be like, it's an angless episode. But what if they did an episode that was Hakoda and Bato-centric? Like, yeah, I'm here for it, but I don't know that the streets are demanding that. It seems like one of those moving pieces that we just have no idea what's going on. Everything else we have pretty much a glimpse of. But yeah, I would love that. And then my my only my last thought was just this episode introduced us to a new spirit, right? The the painted lady, which is a spirit that Aang doesn't encounter, but Katara does. Um, and so I'm just wondering, are we going to get more spirit world? Are we going to have a a moment mid you know mid season where we really dive into the spirit world again? Like how marginal is it going to be versus how like really deep into it are we going to get because in in season one we have both the kind of middle of season one we get introduced to the spirit world and then we have ang like actually like running around in the spirit world with ko and that's like that's pretty cool we have we i would argue we have time for that yeah i just i'm wondering how they're going to do that and if we're going to get a deeper spirit world or, or like a, I should say a wider spirit world or a deeper spirit world. Are we going to go deeper into the folks that we know, or are we going to be wider in terms of learning about other parts of the spirit world? Which would you prefer? Well, I, because I just want like the really dark co movie, you know, <laughs> like that's what, and like, I, again, I just want to know because he seems terrifying and interesting. Like, give me that. But I don't yes. think that I don't think that fits in with anything we're doing here. Mm. I just I don't know that we'll ever see Co again. Um, yeah. But I I would I would story. want yeah I would want to know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Annie, uh, this again, this episode feels like it could be filler, um, but I actually think there's a lot here. Um, I'm also wondering how much we'll see this sort of environmental theme as part of this. Um, I think this is a, actually a fairly important episode for uh, laying the groundwork. I'm really curious where we go next. Um, Cause I do feel like, like we are replaying a little bit of the season one playbook in a good way in terms of, I know where this ends, mm-hmm. but I don't know the things we're going to, the paths we're going to go along the way. I don't know the stories we're going to learn more about the backstories we're going to learn more about and the stuff that will just be left a mystery. Um, but I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens next. Uh, that is all the time that we have for this week. We will be back next week with book three fire chapter four. 
Sokka's master. 